You're listening to episode 162 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Man, 2019's been so crazy. What a week it's been. I can't believe the thing happened this week. That happened. What what thing? Oh, you guys didn't see? Uh, I thought we were going to talk about it later in the news, but apparently Alan Moore and Martin Scorsese decided to binge watch all of the Marvel movies this week, <laughs> and they fell in love with them. That would be crazy. It happened! I would like this story a lot better if Alan Moore and Martin Scorsese fell in love with each other. That might have happened too. I'm not going to assume anything. But what I learned is that Martin Scorsese is going to direct a movie written by Alan Moore about Devil Dinosaur for Phase 5. All right. What's up? I know this is a bit. Huh? I would watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I feel like that would be a really good catalyst for them to become friends. You know, like they, they, they have a really like a a great time just sitting there digging in. You know what's that, 22-ish movies? That's a lot of time to get to know somebody. It was a very intimate experience, I'm sure. <laughs> so who was that? So, yeah, what, yeah. You just, I'm going to guess that was, that was supposed to be Alan Moore. but No, that was me. <laughs> okay. All right. I just, I just went down an octave to kind of really make it sound intimate. So that so that was completely like worthless then. <laughs> um. Whoa! <laughs> I, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, I'm just saying. Are you saying that watching all 22 Marvel movies is a worthless experience? Because frankly, it brought two people together. I mean, most things are worthless, right? So yeah. But this Damn. is priceless. <laughs> Whatever. Now who sounds like Alan Moore? I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Uh, nor do I care. So. Uh, <laughs> no, that's mean. I'm sorry. I do. No care. matter how true it is. Carry on. Um, uh, uh, say more things that will be so interesting that people will instantly stop listening. Oh, gladly. Uh, so my favorite color is <laughs> right, So you're listening to the Comics Pals. Thank you for joining us here on the 162nd episode. Happy uh, belated Thanksgiving to everyone who's listening that celebrates that for those of you who don't you know hopefully you guys ate something really good this week i know i did um it's been a what was the highlight john what was the highlight highlight of the food well listen i'm spanish so it's a lot um all the food (laughs) yeah it's a lot uh there's a there's something called bernil which is basically roasted was it roasted it's pork it's like a lot of pork. <laughs> and it yeah. is. I don't know how they cook it, but it's, it's pork. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I defy anyone to eat that and not love it. Nice. Well, I made, I made honey roasted duck this year for Thanksgiving. Didn't you make a turkey and a duck? You're damn right I did. <laughs> I, it's a man after my own heart right there. I love that. Uh, and they both turned out amazing. Well, I didn't know you were a cook. I guess I am. <laughs> sounds like you didn't know either. <laughs> well, it's a shame our turkey's missing this week. Marco, uh, we consumed him for our Thanksgiving feast. He's gonzo. Uh, no, you're here, so... Hey, 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 I'm the duck. <laughs> no. Marco's the ham. 
Speaking of the pork, no. my Bill man. <laughs> Speaking of the pork. <laughs> that's, that's Phil's new nickname. We're going to just call him the pork. <laughs> Yo, where's the pork, man? I'm right here. Squeak! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, I hate this already. <laughs> so, uh... We're thankful for a lot of things. We're thankful for the food that we ate, the people we ate it with, and you guys for listening. If you want to let us know what you're thankful for, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can catch us all over the internet at thecomicspals. You type that bad boy into Google, and I guarantee you we're going to come up. And if you want us on social media, you can write, you can look for us at thecomicspals. We'll definitely be popping up there as well of course on youtube all of our new york comic-con stuff is out i promise i won't bring it up anymore because we are like two months removed from that event but it was so much fun (laughs) and the interviews were so good that i really do think you guys will get a kick out of it if you haven't checked that stuff out already go over there and do that while you're there hit that sub button Make sure you hit the notification bell so you can be made aware when we drop even more content down the road. You don't want to miss out. I I don't think you want to miss out. Uh, And, of course, all of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Book clubs, uh, we had a little bit of an issue with the Secret Wars book club, but uh, that should be out tomorrow for those of you who are listening on Monday. So a little late, better late than never. Definitely going to want to check that one out. It was very fun. And we've got a whole host of other book clubs that are out uh, right now. If you like a book, if you're into something, there's a good chance that we've talked about, if not that exact character, uh, or if not that exact book, something within that character's wheelhouse. We've been doing these long enough that we've got so many. uh, So if you haven't given them a shot, There's a playlist on SoundCloud with, I believe it has every single one. You can check that out and, uh, you know, spend more time this holiday season with the comics pals. So Christmas is the next holiday, right? Everybody's already getting their decorations up and, uh, you can't escape this thing. So I figured I would ask you guys, (laughs) where is this going? (laughs) It's been, it's been looming over us for years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the war on Christmas rages on. Well, here we go, Sean. Back to your war on Christmas soapbox. That's right. Uh, I'm a known Christmas hater. So, what do you? Blame. What what comic related gift do you want stuffing your stocking this Christmas? Whole cans. Oh. <laughs> Good answer. Do they still make Hulk cans? Can I get those? Can I get those for Phil somehow? They do every time there's a Hulk movie. Oh man! Oh, it's been a while. Hmm. It's been a while. There it is. (laughs) I would like um, the uh, the entirety of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, trades. No, wait. I would like the. The Shattered Grid hardcover event. They did a big special collector's edition hardcover. That's what I want. That's cool. I know what I want now. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, um, but uh, they recently just revealed the uh, collection that they're doing for House and Powers. Very, very cool. That's that's what I want to get. 
I gotta I gotta start pushing that book on people when I'm you know seeing them for the holidays. You know, I actually have that coming my way. Um, I pre-ordered it when they first announced it, and the price. So the price actually went up on that hardcover, but I sense. got it at the reduced price, the original nice. price. So I'm pretty cool, hyped. man. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely got to get my hands on that. There's a few people who I know will enjoy it, but just like didn't take the plunge and then now like are feel like they're too far behind or whatever. So I'm just going to like, I'm home for the holidays. Read this fucking book. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to your friends, Pete, and you're like, God, I hope Pete doesn't try to peddle his stupid comic books on us for the holidays. So <laughs> you have that coming your way. <laughs> I got an uphill battle, but you know, House of Powers are really good, so it should be fine. It's true. Uh, I already... I one thing I always fall back on for Christmas is buying comic books for people for the holidays. And Sean, I, I think you'll appreciate this. I just bought my friend the Black Science Omnibus by Remender. Oh, cool! Is your friend oh, you me? me? Because uh, <laughs> oh, thank no, you. I let yeah, you know. I, <laughs> I ruined the surprise. Wow, that is a great gift. Yeah, I think he's gonna really like it. Uh, he really digs that stuff. Um, and it's it's always easy to like kind of buy graphic novels for people because you're like, oh, you'll probably like this. But you got them the whole the omnibus, right? Yeah. Oof, you must it's really like bucks. this person. Fifty bucks. Oh, it's one of my best. <laughs> is friends. that all? Yeah. Wow. How much is Invincible? The Invi- <laughs> the Invincible omnibus. Pete, uh, let me look it up. It's real expensive. I have, They're yeah, big. it's got to be less than or more than fifty. Uh. Well, while you're looking that up, for me, I, uh, I obviously love omnibuses, and something I've been putting off for several years now is Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't have that. Nope. That's a book I also haven't read in a decade and a half. Dude, you know we're going to have to we're going to have to read that. Yes, uh, sir. I I was that was an, an annual read for me. Uh, for several years, I would crack that baby open and Oof. give it a spin. Beautiful. So yeah. uh, I think that's that ranks high on my list of stocking stuffers, though it might ruin the stocking because it's so big. Maybe, yeah. So uh, to answer your question, Kale, the Invincible Compendium is usually sixty five dollars, but right now you can get it for thirty four bucks on Amazon. That's actually what is that good? But but don't shop at Amazon. Yeah, but I mean, read Invincible. What does that have so. in it though? Uh, that is <clears throat> the compendium is like the first fifty. I think it's issues? the first fifty issues. Yeah. yeah, it says it's the first nine volumes for thirty. And the volumes, bucks. damn. And then yeah, and the volumes are if it's the single, if it's like the little ones, that would be six a piece. So nine times six, what is that? Fifty four issues about. So when you buy that. You're getting it's like an omnibus in the sense that it's it, all the issues are bound together, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty four. Yeah. It's it's yeah for thirty four bucks, and you can get all three of them right now for one hundred and sixteen, and that's the whole run. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I know what I'm doing. Yo, are you gonna do it, John? Yeah, that is a crazy deal. Yes! Hell yeah, brother! We did it! Three years into the friendship! <laughs> oh, for comparison's sake, the first two volumes of any given Marvel trade will add up to the same cost of this nine collected volumes of Invincible. So, yeah, that's it's a wild. damn good deal. Man. 
Uh, as for me, I think, I think, uh, man, there's so many answers to this question, but I just recently bought, uh, the first omnibus of Grant Morrison's Batman. Right. Yes. 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 I, uh, I own every issue, obviously I read them. They're my religion, but I needed them in the ultimate form. So I got the first one and I need the second one. So that would be Heck yeah. I have those first two omnibuses. They're great. Of course, man. Um I I'm I'm so happy to just have the first one and I I can't wait to get to get the next one because um it's been a while since I've read those. Like it's been a few been years a now. So I gotta God damn it. I know, he always does that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good, I gotta be honest. Um I started reading the first omnibus and then I stopped. Uh for a reason I will reveal later. Oh, secrets. Okay. It's a secret. I like those. But only if I know them. <laughs> you uh, do know so, it. You just forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I do. Huh? Um, so, if you guys at home want to let us know what you want to, ha- to receive this Christmas, uh, comic book-wise, definitely do write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And also... If you want to buy me specifically what I want for Christmas, um, I will give you my personal Amazon wish list. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, not a- <laughs> what what I want for Christmas is for all of you to go buy that Invincible Compendium for $30 and read it. Well, and that's the royal you. When each of you guys, yeah, but I've also like, I've given up in a lot of ways, you know? So if the listeners out there want to go buy it, that would be great. <laughs> Everyone should do it. Screw it. Uh, 30 bucks, man. Robert Kirkman, uh, you know what? He needs more money. You can never have enough money, right? Screw it. Might as well. Oh, that's why That's why we're allowing them to support Amazon. Is You can never have enough money. <laughs> Do you have enough money? Look, man. Look, man. Ryan Otley needs to put turkey on his Thanksgiving table, okay? Yeah. Like, go buy the book. In the meantime, <laughs> go check out our YouTube interview with Robert Kirkman from New York Comic Con 2019. It's a good one. I like Thanks. that. All right, so let's jump into the pals pulls here, uh, starting with Kale, who chose Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Yeah, man, this is a crossover that I absolutely love. They have cro- the turtles and the Power Rangers have crossed over before in Power Rangers in Space yes. when. Uh, when they crossed over with the Ninja Turtles series where their first, the first girl turtle, uh, Venus DeMilo yes, <laughs> was, yeah. was, uh, on the show on Fox kids. Um, and, uh, Michelangelo had it for the, uh, the yellow Ranger. If I remember correctly, um, that's gotta be so awkward, you know? Oh, Andros was not happy about it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's an ambitious crossover. The uh, the Dan Mora cover uh, for this crossover is tremendous. Yeah, I thought the name of this book was Kale Shit. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's what we're calling it at my house anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is awesome. And I, I totally remember that crossover. And as a kid, I loved it. So... And then you also chose Napoleon Dynamite number two. <laughs> no, I just I just found out this was a thing. I didn't even know 
Um, and I'm very excited about it. I love the Napoleon Dynamite movies. So this, I guess... Movie? Uh, fair. <laughs> this was a um, uh, a sequel. Uh, and the, the issue that comes out this week is uh, two. It's number two of four. And this arc is called Impeach Pedro. So <laughs> I guess it's a... Uh, uh, Pedro is accused of rigging the the student body election and Napoleon has to uh, prove him innocent. Uh, who's writing and illustrating this, though? Um, Sean, do you have that? I did put it down. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Jorge Manlo- Manlongo and Sarah Richard. Uh, yeah, this dude, uh, Jorge... Has done a lot, a lot of other licensed properties. I was going through his back catalog. He's done a lot of Over the Garden Wall and oh. Hello Kitty. Hmm. So, um, I like I at the at minimum I really like the Over Over the Garden Wall properties. So, dang, I, I am mystified. I gotta be honest. I've never seen Napoleon Dynamite. Oh man, it's, it's all right. It's a it's very much a movie of its time. <laughs> That's very true. I just remember it was all the rage. Yeah. Yeah. I felt I felt like an outcast for not having seen it. You're good, I promise. Oh, believe me, I know. You were, but like it's fine now. Yeah. Being an outcast is cool. Well, love Yeah, love Andre <laughs> 3000. Yeah, me too, man. Uh Pete chose Marauders number 3. Yeah, uh, Marauders has been a fun ride so far. Looking forward to the next issue. Um, you know, we did a review of the first two, so go check them out. Did you catch the second one? Yeah, I, I liked what I saw so far. You know, like I, I feel like it's been. Um, I, I really like this version of Kitty, and like getting to see that kind of thread continue has been. It's been fun. Yeah, we didn't like it. We did not. So somebody wasn't on last week's episode. Right. Yeah, I know. I wasn't. I wasn't there to defend. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still in on it. I like it. All right. Uh, Phil chose a couple of uh, good ones. Annihilation Omnibus. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been waiting for this re-release for like four years. Um, trying to buy the Annihilation Omnibus on any retailer's website or like. A secondary market like eBay ran up to like $350. Yikes. Because it was out of print. And now that they're doing effectively Annihilation 2, it gave them the perfect excuse to re-release it. And uh, I didn't say this because I wanted to kind of bury the lead a little, but this is the stocking stuffer I would die for. Shit. Yeah. (laughs) But then if you died, you wouldn't be able to read it. That's a good point. I don't go in on... I don't go in on Omnibus, but that's what I'll probably try and get too. Oh, yeah, so that's cool, good. man. I didn't um, know about that. Yeah, I for, we. How much is it, Phil? Uh, it's it, it's sticker price is like one hundred twenty five dollars, but if you're crafty, you can probably get that baby for seventy dollars. <clears throat> One to keep an eye out for, like at a con or something, probably. If you're crafty, <laughs> like if me, I'm pretty good at getting Omnibuses for not their sticker price. Ditto. Um, so I, I remember when the Annihilation event was announced by Rosenberg that they also announced that they would be 
republishing and reprinting, uh, you know, uh, uh, Keith Giffen's Annihilation run with all their subsequent co- uh, co-collaborators like Dan Abnett and Annie Lanning and everything. And I completely forgot about it. So uh, this is like a really refreshing reminder that I have to spend money on myself this Christmas and nobody else. There you go, man. <laughs> Spirit of giving, huh, Phil? That's right. Spirit of giving to himself. This is my own stocking stuffer. Good for well, you, buddy. Uh, Treat yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a two for Wednesday because uh, also Annihilation Scourge Nova number one is coming out. You're picking that up too. Yeah. Um. So low key, I don't know how much I've talked about this, but Richard Rider is truly in my fave five characters of all time. Uh, mainly because of Annihilation and and the uh, DNA run on the character, the ongoing that went thirty something issues. Um, I'm so excited to see him back, and I'm really curious if Matthew Rosenberg and Abram Robertson and Jose Maria Casanovas will do well by that character. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, I could be wrong, but the last time I was made aware of, of, oh, he is back, I guess, but the last time I really kept up with the character was the end of Thanos Imperative. Uh, I, I know, uh, Bendis did something with the character, but I'm, I'm here for it. In the, in the cancer verse, that's how he and, um, the fucking, real, uh, the real Star-Lord, Peter Quill. Died, uh, yeah, died, or, I well, don't know, some the, shit. They, it was like a, a permanent death kind of thing. But then they uh, brought uh, Chris Pratt in the MCU, the uh, 616 instead. So uh, so then also Pete and I both chose X-Men number three. Well, there you have it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's X-Men, man. Uh, yeah, like... I'm really excited for this. X-Men is... For me, it's the one that I enjoy the most out of all these books. Yeah. It's the flagship. Um, and obviously the main character is Cyclops. So what is there not to like? There's everything to like. There's a lot for you like. there, for sure. Um, I, I've, the implications of the last issue were really interesting, too. They also showed a, pr- a little preview. I didn't look at it because I didn't really want to be spoiled for anything. But all I know is that the Quiet Council will be... Uh, front and center with issue three. So yeah, that's cool. I, in the abstract, I read, uh, I believe this issue advances the menage a trois between Logan, Scott, and Gene. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember which one was what. So which one was like which what? which X Men book is which? Uh, which um, which menage a trois we're talking about? Which what the client oh. council is. It's fine. I said Logan, Scott, and Gene. That's the menage a trois. I don't know what those are. All right. Uh, so. Kale's from the Midwest. You took just... French lessons. Who cares? I am taking French lessons. That doesn't mean I'm learning French. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have to start with a complicated news item. And I will tell you what happened or, you know, give you the headline and then we'll dive into the the madness. So Bedside Press is a comic book publisher, was a comic book publisher uh, that has shut down. 
because the person who owns it, runs it, Hope Nicholson, uh, admitted to sexual assault. So, this all started, I want to say, last week in terms of how it blew up online. And it's it's it all centers around a guy named, I'm going with Tress, right? I think it's Trey. Trey? It might be okay. Trey. Trey Dean. So, Trey Dean wrote a, 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 a uh, an article on the Huffington Post. He, he, he spoke on that website about being sexually assaulted. And he told a story about, you know, an event he was at where a woman uh, who was also, you know, in the industry, but a little further along in her career than he was, uh, who was drunk, kept coming on to him and trying to make a move on him. And she, you know, kissed him several times and all kinds of things like that. Invited him, you know, to go and have sex or whatever. And, you know, he, he wasn't into it. He didn't want that. So uh, he, he wrote this article to kind of bring awareness to the fact that this does happen to men. And, you know, to kind of try to heal himself a little bit. You know, he talked about how therapy uh, helped him out and allowed him to admit to himself and to, you know, come to terms with the fact that this is that this did happen. So uh, that was a, a year ago and everything sort of, you know, was was what it was. He put that out there and he left it alone and that's where he would that's where he was comfortable leaving things. But then um Hope Nicholson uh, she she decided to uh she decided to to speak to this herself. She went on Twitter and she made uh, a series of posts about this uh where essentially she she admits that it was her. She talks about how, you know, yeah, what he says is a version of reality, but she doesn't quite cop to the fact that she she doesn't quite cop to the fact that she hurt this dude. You know, um, there wasn't much in the way of accountability on her part. I don't have her tweets in front of me, um, so whatever. But take my word for it in that what she said isn't what you would say if you really felt like you were responsible for uh, hurting someone in any way, but certainly not, you know, sexually assaulting someone. So uh, after that, Trey went on to Twitter and said uh, the following. I have perhaps been unclear both publicly and in communications or lack thereof with her about what I want from any of this. And the answer is nothing aside from her to please like literally never speak to me again or say my name. So now that that's out there, please stop doing it. So, you know, asking for him to just be left alone, which is totally respectable and understanding or understandable rather. Um, but that still didn't happen. 
because uh, a, a few days later, the Bedside Press website went down. Then it came back up with a personal statement from uh, the woman herself, Hope Nicholson. Now, in the meantime, this whole thing blew up on Twitter. There were so many people, uh, you know, coming to the defense of Trey, but also, uh, and, and probably something that I saw a lot more of was people defending Hope. There were a lot of people who said, you know, um, I'm, we're sorry this is happening to you. You know, thank you for, you know, your honest apology. Um, you know, all, all that kind of jazz. Because she got out in front of it and most people were hearing her side of things before his because of the fact that he deliberately didn't name her. And this article was posted a year ago. Uh, a lot of people were just coming at this from her perspective. And she used a lot of language that, you know, sort of made it out to be that she has a problem with, you know, with uh, self-worth. She made some comments sort of saying, like, she felt her her value was in sex and that that's something that a lot of women have an issue with. So she felt that the only way that she could be valuable to this guy who she liked and was having a conversation with was to throw herself at him. And, you know, of course, there were a lot of men and women in the comments, you know, uh, trying to be understanding of the fact that that she's dealing with, you know, some type of internalized, I don't know, misogyny, sexism, whatever that would cause someone to do that. So um, she did come out and make this statement, which I will read some of right now. Uh At my first San Diego Comic-Con five years ago, I became drunk at a hotel bar, asked the stranger to kiss me, and proceeded to ask him for further physical physical contact even after he declined. I was obnoxious and rude, and it was unprofessional. Both to be that drunk at a work event and to ask a stranger who was likely in my industry for a physical encounter and to not walk away after being declined later. Years later, I found out this encounter had harmed this person emotionally. I issued a private apology and an invitation to reconciliation. Shortly after, an article was written by this person. It was publicly anonymous to my identity, but it was quickly evident through tweets and conversations that many people in my industry had been told it was me. Later, in an impulsive decision, I admitted this to Twitter followers. It was not a well-thought-out statement, and I wish I had taken more care than to write it when I was emotionally upset. It had the potential to harm the writer of the article, leave my readers betrayed, and confuse my my authors. Uh, I don't know why it says authors. I am sorry I was this careless. The article that the person had written was well-written and accurate to the events of the night. It makes several important points about social... Effort, effects, and male obligation. Two details were overlooked, which are small but important, as without them, it's easy for readers to interpret me to be a predator or assaulter, as many have so far. You might still after. I can't control that, but I can offer some of the missing information so you can decide accordingly. One, I received verbal consent before kissing. This does not mean to excuse the action. It's not appropriate to even ask the stranger at a work event, but the physical contact was consensual. My repeated bothering with questions after was not, and I regret that very, very much. 
True, there was no power dynamic at play. I was new to the larger comics industry and had not yet worked on any projects other than my Canadian comic reprints. The author, I believe, was similarly a young writer. We had not met before and no promises of professional connections were made. We were both peers entering the industry at the same time. I understand that these clarifications do not excuse my actions, but I hope you can see I'm not an evil monster. I am a human with poor instincts. This itself is enough to cause harm even without intent. This in and of itself can happen to you, and I hope that some can learn from this. To always maintain respect for communications and interaction with strangers as I did not that night. Uh, that's about it. That's all I feel I need to read there. Uh, she does go on to make a plea that people take down articles with her name in them so that she can get a clerical job. So I said a mouthful. Uh, where do you guys land on this? Uh, so... I mean, these kinds of stories are always, like, obviously uncomfortable to have to deal with. But I think it's also, like, you run into this situation of, um, you know, one party says one thing and the other party says the other. And you have to try to find the truth somewhere in the middle, right? And, uh, you know, I think as as I generally try to err on in these situations is, uh, you know, I, I listen to the person who feels like they were the victim of, you know, of an assault, right? And in this case, like, um, you look at, I'm sorry, what was the, the guy's name? Trey Dean. Trey. So you look at, you look at Trey, like, and the way that he handled this, right? Like, it wasn't, he, he wrote this a year ago and didn't name the person by name and, you know, um, didn't try to make it into a thing that would bring him attention, Right. And like I think as a as a guy um, accusing a woman of sexual assault, like you're automatically opening yourself up to disbelief and personal attack, you know. Um, and that's true of any victim coming forward, unfortunately, in these situations. But um, uh, th there is definitely an element of that there too. So it's I don't see this as a situation where I can take his account as anything but his perception of the truth. Because what does he possibly stand to gain from it? You know, he didn't try to gain anything from it. And there really isn't much to be gained for him coming forward and, and being honest about this event happening to him. You know, so like uh, whether her intent was malicious or not, I think, you know, clearly um, that's that's his take on it. You know, and that to me is um, not to say that like, that there's no value to hearing her side of things, but it seems like she's trying to protect her reputation and her ability to get a job and not be labeled as a, a predator or, or an abuser um, rather than, I don't know, like genuinely like being interested in hearing the apology and, and taking some ownership over the action rather than dismissing it as like, well, I was young and it was poor judgment, you know? Um, I don't I don't feel like that's an acceptable excuse. Well, and I think I think the the way she, you know, the way she she said, you know, oh, it happened to me. It was this guy. But don't go bother him. She said to her 8,000 Twitter followers who 
we're obviously going to do that. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so the, like, the initial tweet by her says I was named by someone as an assaulter. While I don't think that's the case, I feel awful that I hurt anyone or that anyone feels felt socially obligated to kiss me. It feels awful. This is the article. Don't message or hurt this guy. He is allowed to express his own story. His story is not mine, but it is largely accurate. I was rude, an idiot, a messy drunkard, a pest. I hope not anymore, but it doesn't excuse my actions of them. I just... I don't know. It was... It's weird that she made that public instead of reaching out to him in the first, you know, in the first place privately. Didn't yeah. Didn't didn't the article assert that she tried to do that? They had some level of contact, but uh, neither one of them was was very uh, clear on what the contact was. Yeah, I don't know. This thing's a whopper. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's hard to talk about it. Normally, we try to keep things fun on this podcast, but uh, a very specific reason why I wanted to include this is because um, we talk like we've talked about this kind of thing a lot when it comes to you know men being the perpetrators, and yeah. I wouldn't want to not highlight it when it happens to a man, also, and also just to highlight the fact that there were a lot of people. You know, I'm not going to get into the specific people or, you know, reading specific tweets, but there were a lot of people who were, you know, very supportive of her to the point of negating what this guy experienced. And that's not cool. I think that I also good. Well, just to, to Sean's point, I also read several accounts of this happening to other men. Yes. By her. Yeah, uh, accounts by her. uh, uh, Other men came forward around other people's uh, other people's tweets as well. Uh, Other, you know, uh, indie publishers uh, who are sort of in the same on sort of the same level. Um, So, you know, I think it's also important to note that he wasn't the only one. Right. Totally. Um, To Pete's point, people are very quick to victim blame and i think i think that's evidenced by anyone that's verbally assaulted trey on twitter um but it's i i I, your interpretation of sincerity can vary but it seems like hope did try to get in front of it and apologize which is when it comes to like me too things, that's that's often what people want is for people to come out and just admit that you were wrong and that you did something. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, what what is the solution when when someone is is uh, accused of sexually assaulting or harassing someone? Um, at the very least, you want that person to uh, own that, and it seems like that's what she did. Uh, but to the first, but like not really though, I, right? Because isn't that an isn't the initial tweet where she says like she says something to the effect of I don't think that that's the yes, case, yes. <sighs> yeah, and yeah, that's not that's not taking ownership over it. Like she's she's a she what she's apologizing for is and this is and this is the thing you see you've seen a lot of guys make these kind of half hearted apologies when this kind of stuff comes up where it's like well I'm sorry that I made you feel that yeah. way. But I didn't. But I didn't do it. 
Yeah. Like, I want to be clear. I didn't assault this guy, but if I made him uncomfortable or made him feel like he had to kiss me, I'm sorry that he felt that yes. way. Not, I'm sorry that I did it. I'm sorry I made him feel that way. Right. And that that sure is... That's not right. Yeah, that sure is how it feels. That It feels like she's trying to step ahead of the criticism, not, so, not in so far that she is apologizing to him. Uh, this whole thing sucks, huh? So I think that she, she did this. This is one of those things where it's like, you did this shit to yourself, right? Cause, uh, yeah. This, yeah. Right. Like, like this is so, it's so weird. Like this didn't even need to come out. Like she says that people in the industry knew who, who he was talking about, but okay. So what, um, you know, it's it's like from what I read, she did this to other people. So you know, when you do things that are crappy, uh, your name gets out there somehow. Whether he was telling people behind the scenes or other people were talking about her because they knew what she was about. Um, but yes. either way, publicly speaking, no one knew. You know, no one. You know, we didn't certainly know. Um, and uh, so she brought it on herself from that angle. Then to highlight specifically the article that he wrote, that's a very strange uh, thing to do. To and that's and that's the thing about this that I don't get is like this article was written a year ago, and and like I get you know his his reasoning for for you know getting it published and and not naming names and and you know working really hard to just make it an account of what happened and 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 his healing about it. This was a year ago. None, nobody knew anything about this. And in, this came out of nowhere. I, other than... Like you made it a story by, uh, by like bringing it up and tagging his article. Yeah, other than Hope's initial tweet. Like, I have no idea where this came from. Came from nowhere. She chose this because she said uh, this was a major contributor to her depression. Okay, well, I'm sure it was a major contributor to his depression, too. Uh, and I don't really feel like you're being depressed justifies starting up this whole thing, which probably uh, hurt him to have to, you know, sort of rehash this, but to do it in a public way where now names are out there. That's That sucks. So uh, just really, you know, messy stuff all around. A lot of people who whose work was being published by Bedside Press made the decision to uh, remove their books from that publication of course bedside press is now gone so anyone who did not make that choice well their books don't have a home anymore so you know you can see the 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 ripple effect of something like this and uh obviously she shouldn't have done what she did in the in the uh in the outset you know should never have you know uh put herself upon this guy but then the double fail is to you know a year after he talks about it to, to put yourself on front street, you know, uh, I don't see why you would tell on yourself in this kind of situation. And, you know, then, then thirdly, she, she, you know, she made it all about herself. Um, even in the, the last, uh, personal statement here, it's very clear that she's taking a modicum of blame, you know, even in the, 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 the negative things that she's saying about herself, they come across as, uh, I'm saying this about me so that you won't think badly of me. I'm saying this ahead of you saying it. 
and also I'm on medication, and also I'm depressed, and I'm going to get clerical work, which of course the implication there is, you know, I'm going down the ladder, right? Um, so, you know, don't fall for it. Uh, she hasn't learned the right lessons yet. I read that she was still doing this after the encounter that she had with this dude, so she has a lot of work to do. I'm not a person who believes that most are above the possibility of healing. I think everyone deserves the opportunity to become a better person. I don't write people off with a scarlet letter, but she's making it very hard to give her, you know, I, I'm not going to say the benefit of the doubt, but like the the rope, I guess, you know? Well, yeah, because cause to me, like this shows no remorse for the actions, you know? Like it's a admission of guilt to avoid being called out on it later. And like you said, the, she does nothing but make excuses for herself and minimize, you know, like what her alleged victim, you know, has said. And like, that's, that's not somebody that feels like they, like you said, that gets it or that is deserving of that, uh, that, that rope, you know, because like, it seems like you're just a person who's hurting people and not taking any ownership over it, you know, and and minimizing it based on your own, you know, issues. And, you know, if you if you have depression, if you have some other kind of mental illness, like, you know, I have, you know, I have tons of sympathy for that. But as soon as you start hurting other people and then using that as a shield, like, that's not that's not right. Not at all. My favorite my favorite thing as this has sort of wrapped up was around right after bedside press posted the, the personal statement, the, the very first comment on it was uh, someone saying, just fuck off already. Creep. <laughs> it's like, all right, you know what? Maybe the internet's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, let's move on because uh, hope is not the only uh, individual in hot water. We're also going to have to talk about DC Comics. They're in hot water. As they posted a poster for the upcoming The Dark Knight, The Golden Child. Uh, I believe it's, it's a lot of these. Yeah, I know, right? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a new book by Frank Miller, uh, and it's going to be about the son of Superman and Wonder Woman which is pretty cool, but that was not the focus this week when this poster dropped. So the poster is this 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 uh bat you know, the Batman in a black and yellow outfit throwing a Molotov cocktail and behind him is uh the the the, the phrase the future is young in pink. And it seems pretty normal, you know, just a just a regular old uh poster. But it actually got a lot of uh, backlash in China on their social media. People were very upset. Uh, Variety were the, first, were the first people to break this whole thing down. And uh, like I said, people were very angry. And one of the comments... So, so the reason, I should say the reason. The reason that they're angry is because... They feel that this image is in support of the protests 
that are happening over in Hong Kong right now, which has been a huge conversation here in America. Already, uh, Blizzard Entertainment got into some trouble with that, and so did the NBA. So now DC is under fire because they feel the Molotov cocktail is is one of the the sort of items of choice that these protesters are using. They feel that the color yellow and the reference to gold uh, could be referencing the, the the color that the protesters have used, um, and the black suit is referencing the the clothing that the protesters wear. Yeah, they've worn they've worn all black and covered their faces and stuff. And, and no, the, the uh, visuals, visual symbolism is there. Makes sense. Oh, you mean you mean other than the fact that Batman is wearing the same costume for? I'm not saying many. it was deliberate, but if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, I can yeah. see why you would interpret no. it that way. It's it's one of those things where like I can definitely see them drawing those parallels. I don't think they're intentional. I absolutely hope that they are. Someone on Weibo, who that's their like social yeah, media, that's like their, their Twitter, Twitter uh, said, yeah. "No matter what the reason, to put an image like this up at a sensitive time like this means you have a death wish." Fuck off. That's intense. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you, man. Free Hong Kong. All right. Listen. Don't get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get banned by Blizzard. Sean does hey, not have a death No, wish. you know what? Fuck China. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I'm with you, Cal. All right, this has been uh, this shit. I'm not, cow- I'm not kowtowing to some dictator. <laughs> Fuck that. Well, listen, listen. They just had local elections last week, and they had record turnouts, and it was uh, sweepingly all pro-democracy, uh, pro-Hong Kong, uh, any results. So think, I think it's clear what's going on there, folks. Well, here's the thing. This is this is one of the problems when it comes to, you know, different cultures interpreting things that aren't necessarily for them, right? Like we understand that this image is probably just an image. It's probably just meant to be, you know, Batman not even I don't even think this is like Bruce Wayne. Um no, it's a uh, Jonathan Kent. Yeah. Throwing a, a you know a cocktail, future is young. This doesn't have anything to do with China, most likely. No, this is like one hundred percent like classic Batman imagery mixed with like modern American like style. You know, like for logos and stuff, like hot, big, bold, pink letters with like these kinds of like that's just how things look right now. Like they fucking invented the Molotov, the Molotov cocktail yeah, in it's Hong like, Kong. Oh, the- <laughs> That's the symbol of the Hong Kong protesters. It's like, really? Because to me, I immediately think of Grand Theft Auto 3, but that's just me. And and also, naming this the Golden Child, being, that being some kind of reference, the, the name of the book was chosen before people were really talking about this. I mean, it's, that doesn't mean Frank Miller couldn't have knowledge of what's been going on over there. It just seems it just it's a reach, but because this is what they're dealing with over there, when they look at something like this, they're seeing it everywhere. You, you, you know, you see you see this stuff all the time. So, uh, I'm DC got backlash both ways. They got backlash for putting this out, then they got backlash for taking the poster down. Good, yeah, that's like one of those things. I'm I'm with Kale on that one. It's like I, who cares, like. How many how many uh, comics is DC selling in China? 
I, I highly doubt this was a call made by actual DC. That's the problem. I yeah. bet this was a call made by Warner Brothers because Warner yeah. Brothers needs that China money for those movies they put out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. They need, <laughs> they need that China money. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. I just did. I do have a lot you of putting money. that. You putting that Southern drawl on it really sold it for me. Like. That China money. <laughs> so like y'all, a, like a, like, y'all boys better not go to that uh, Chinese buffet. You don't want that China money. <laughs> you, you sound like you own an oil rig. <laughs> no, I do declare you do not want to go to Shanghai. Mm-mm. Yeah, China money all over that place. <laughs> Terrible. I, I, I'm really getting tired of this whole China thing. Just being frank, like you heard it here first. Sean is done think, with the Chinese. They I'm think not, just because they just because they got the government just because thinks that they got money, they can just boss everybody around. And like, I mean, America's only been doing that the whole time we've been around. Well, the the problem is that. I mean, this is not a political podcast. Um, yes, here we go. It's about to be. It's, it's about to be. The PP. It's just, it's just frustrating <laughs> that something like this, we we lose out, you know, and, and DC feels the need to appease these people when this is clearly targeted at us primarily. This is not about China. And, well, you know, listen, get over it. And we've talked about this before, but. China has over what two almost two billion people in our country more and all the corporations in the world say god how do we appeal to all those people try to get that China money Kale I mean he's not wrong <laughs> uh, but so yeah I mean you see it all the time you see major corporations really kowtowing to um, that Chinese market because they want the money you see it in movies you see it in comics it's 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 a market that all these corporations really want to tap so they can make more money I just read a, a headline a little bit earlier that said that Marvel edits their movies for China mm-hmm. and that we wouldn't know about it because we don't watch the movies in China yeah, and I know in the um, – I think it's an Iron Man. It's one of the Iron Mans at least. There's like this whole segment that's added that takes place in like a Chinese hospital and stuff that like, you know, people in the West are just not even aware of. Yeah. Which is like – that's not that's not inherently bad. Like I think localization like that is like fine to some degree. It's when it's like this that it really bothers me. Like I don't – because like you think about like uh, – when anime is like localized for American audiences and they change some of the cultural references or whatever. Oh, like, like, like in Pokemon when a rice cake is a donut or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Like stuff like that. Cause it's yeah. like, you don't know what the fuck a rice cake is. You know what a donut is. Okay, cool. Like I think that level of censor censorship or whatever is like not inherently bad. It's like, it's when you get to a point where like, you know, uh, like you said, like we're like promotional material that's intended for American audiences is being changed well, to appease ch- like Chinese Twitter users. Well, you know, like it, it, if I if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, when the Last Jedi was coming out promotionally, they would change the promotional posters so that Finn 
would be featured much smaller because the understanding yep. was that uh, Chinese audiences are racist was my understanding of why. Yeah. Oh, cool. So then they're not listening to that. this podcast, though. Yeah, so no. f- fuck China again. Uh, in China, <laughs> in China, um, Kale's the host of this podcast. No, 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 no. It's Pete for obvious reasons. Do I have to say why? Because he's, he's the, the East Master. master. That's, they know me over uh, there. <laughs> I can't believe I almost missed that joke. <laughs> I was like, are we going to get through this whole conversation without somebody saying that? Nope, we're not. <laughs> so close. All right, moving on. From China to Gotham. We talked a lot about... Good name for a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's let's work on that. Uh, Beijing the God. We t- we talked a lot about what movies DC might be looking to pump out now that the Joker has been such a massive success. And recently, Variety put out a, a a big article talking about what it looks like the plans are going forward for DC. And a lot of it is stuff we've talked about. Just a quick recap. Don't need to have actual conversation about this, but if it comes up, that's fine. Um, the idea of J.J. Abrams directing a Superman movie, uh, Michael B. Jordan's involvement in trying to get that off the ground and whatever he, ideas he has for uh, a potential Superman movie, uh, Green Lantern Corps, which we've talked about a lot, The Flash apparently back on track, uh, a bunch of different ideas. But the one that was new to me was the idea that the villains from the the upcoming the batman film might actually get spin-off movies that not only that but that birds of prey uh villains and characters could be getting spin-off movies uh if batman and birds of prey do well which dc does expect uh this of course is inspired by the success of the joker so, thus far, the villains that we know about are Riddler, Penguin, and Catwoman. And all of the actors associated with those characters are, you know, big-ish names. I mean, Colin Farrell, obviously, is known by everybody. Uh, Paul Dano is a newer person, I believe. And Zoe Kravitz, she's up and coming, but, you know, definitely, uh, you know, becoming more well-known. She's hot right now, for yeah. sure. So I think she's been hot for a while. (laughs) So this is, and then of course from Birds of Prey, you have Black Mask, who's being played by Ewan McGregor. So again, this is definitely the Joker effect. I don't think anybody was thinking about this kind of thing even last year, right? How do we make a Black Mask movie? (laughs) That's so (laughs) random. So. How do you guys feel about this idea, and what villains from the joke or from from, from <laughs> Batman's world do you feel this actually makes any kind of sense for, if any? Man, this has got that amazing Spider-Man energy, fucking all over. <laughs> oh, let's give the Shocker a movie. The Chameleon. Guys, I think the Rhino needs a movie. We're literally getting a Morbius movie. Like, that is still happening. Yeah. I mean, he's 
Could be good. Yeah, I think you're spot on there, man. Yeah, maybe it could be good, Phil, but I don't know, dude. Like, this is one of those things where it's just kind of like... It's got that one fuckhead as as, uh, Morbius, so it won't be. Oh, yeah, Jared Leto. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's a shit bird of a person. (laughs) Uh, It's just like, why, why is there not that just base level awareness that like we've talked about with this, you know, like I don't understand, like I get if you're a, a studio executive and you're not super in the know about like comic book, you know, culture or whatever. And like that idea doesn't initially stink to you. It's like, Oh, we had one villain movie. Why not make more? It's like, well, the Joker is not just any comic book villain. Like he is, is himself a cultural icon. And I think of all the characters that we've laid out there, the only other character that could have a solo movie that I think would actually make sense is, is Catwoman. Cause Catwoman is a character. Yeah, but that's, we'll see how that goes. We've already, we've already acknowledged that one is going to happen and it makes sense on some level. I think of the Batman characters, right. That we're talking about here. Catwoman has written name recognition and has since the, like, you know, the fifties when she was on the Batman show, 60s. you know? So it's like, 60s whatever uh i i feel like i get that right i get the idea of she's in a movie with harley quinn and these other characters she gets a spin-off fine whatever but like the idea of giving like all of the rogues their own movies is just something that like i don't think makes any sense really like Maybe you could have a psychological movie about, like, the Riddler or something like that, right? Because he's another character who's steeped in mental illness. But, like, I don't know. How many times are you going to go back to that well and just make the, the Joker but a, a, a lesser version of it again and again? Yeah, I mean, like, how often okay. have, have the Riddler and the Joker been conflated as characters? They're kind of like a Venn diagram because a lot of people struggle making the Riddler kind of his own character without, you know, turning it into, like, a Joker thing. Um, Crazy quilt. Uh, as as always, as long as there is ingenuity and, and something thoughtful behind it, anything can be good. Uh, when you say a black mask movie, my my first instinct is making a a mafia movie in Gotham, which that could be really interesting. Uh, and it doesn't like black mask is your 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 flawed villain at the head of it. You know, mafia got a comic movie would be pretty freaking neat. Um, yeah. All right. And then it doesn't. It could just call the movie like Gotham or something. I don't know. Um, There's already a TV show, Phil. That's true. Um, Do a Robin origin story with uh, Crazy Quilt. I made that joke answer just a second ago that nobody acknowledged, but then I thought about it and I got really excited about that idea. (laughs) (laughs) My my thought is a 1960s style romp with all the rogues gallery of Batman committing capers throughout Gotham. Now there's your villain movie. I no. think that already exists. They're not going to do that though. Like it's they're going to give they're going to give all of these characters an origin movie. It's like you want to you want to watch the penguin like figure out how it's all right, I was just a regular gangster and then I fell into a vat of bird poison. Like okay, great, awesome. Kite man. It's it's actually astounding to me the ideas that people have these executives have that get close to being made like ooh the calculator how is it possible that someone is sitting around thinking about the possibility of like yeah 
let's really make this penguin movie like not a not a creative person right like a, a creative person can think whatever they want and you know come up with a great idea but someone sitting in a boardroom in a suit just looking at you know checks and balances is like yeah all right if we make this penguin movie it can make a billion dollars like joker did no pace pop pete or like when we were talking like like what Kale brought up with uh, with Amazing Spider-Man, how they were really dead serious about making a Sinister Six movie. What is the reason to do that? You got to make a shocker origin movie first, though. That's true. Kids will show up for that, right? I think Pace Pot Pete's a Spider-Man villain, actually. Everything is clearly motivated by money, right? I mean, what's the most saturated but most profitable market in movies? It's superhero properties. China. Oh, <laughs> Um, you know, any given box office annually will have a Pixar movie or a superhero movie at the top of in the top five, maybe ten of the movies of the year. Uh, so you have studios trying to crank out animated films like DreamWorks and stuff, and now you see Sony and and well, not Fox anymore, but uh, Warner Brothers trying to churn out what they have licensed properties of, and Joker was hot. Venom was hot, and it's like, it's the year of the villain. Let's keep going. Uh, the hope, of course, is when you have these big studios turning out these movies is that they will put them in the hands of someone that has an idea. And that's certainly what happened with Joker. Um, but I obviously, inherently, on face value, uh, it, it merits the trepidation that Kale and Pete have expressed. Ooh, Mad Mod. You mentioned that last con- week, I think. You're into that. The con- the Condiment King? I'd watch that movie. Yeah, he's a Batman. Yeah, he's a Batman. That could be a Paul Rudd character. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm really good at I this. Think this. I think this is exactly how those conversations go. <laughs> it's just frustrating because we don't even have a Batman movie. Like, it'll, it'll have been almost 10 years since the last time there was a Batman movie. And they're already talking about what to do with the villains. Like, can you chill? I, I remember before before, before Amazing Spider-Man 2 even came out, they were already talking about, okay, how are we going to do the Sinister Six? Movie. Solo movie. Like, not Spider-Man, just Sinister Six. After Spider-Man 2, or I'm sorry, Spider-Man 3, that disaster film, they said, okay, how are we going to do Sinister Six, Venom, and, uh, no, it's just those two. Sinister Six and Venom as separate movies. Chill out. Spider-Man 3 sucked. And they were ready to go <laughs> forward with uh, with Venom, a Venom movie with Homie as the main, as playing Venom. What's his name? He played Topher Venom Grace. in Spider-Man oh, 3. Eddie, uh, Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Topher Grace, yeah. Are yeah. you for real? Yeah, I he didn't turn out know. to be much of a star, did he? No, and it's because of that. Well, that, that movie, that movie ended him. I think that's true. I think that movie did probably end his his aspirations yeah, yeah. as a film star. I think it ended well, people's aspirations for casting him as a film star. Well, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's moved more behind the scenes. He's directed a couple of things yeah. uh, that have done really well. He's been in other stuff too. Like he was in that yeah. one of those Predators movies, but like, yeah, he was. That was, a, I think, a real hurt him bad. <laughs> it hurt me bad Ooh, here's too. A good one. Here's a good one. Hardak. 
Uh, all right. So, <laughs> all right. Talking think, villains. No, we're done with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking, talking villains. Oh, I thought we were done with that. Uh, we're done with <laughs> that particular subject. But talking villains, there is a new rumor that Doctor Doom could be the main villain of Black Panther Two. So oh, I could be into this. This is like coming sh- from a scooper named Charles Murphy, who claims that trusted sources have informed him that uh, Doctor Doom is going to be tangling with the Black Panther. So uh, the comicbook.com article says, Murphy reiterates that the information has not been officially verified, so there is a chance that it ultimately will not be true. But he does say that Victor Von Doom's potential role in the film will involve him beginning to expand his empire, conquering parts of Africa, and ultimately coming into conflict with the nation of Wakanda and the Black Panther. So real deep comic book fans, Black Panther fans, will know that there is precedent for this. These two characters have tangled in the past. Uh, Doom War was specifically about Black Panther versus uh, Doctor Doom. Obviously, they had an encounter in Secret Wars. Go listen to that book club and read the book. Um, so there's it, it makes sense from that perspective. But what do you guys think about the idea on its face and also that as an introductory tool for Doctor Doom? This will well. I'll take that one step further. I think that'll absolutely be a, a sort of backdoor for the Fantastic Four. Yeah, probably. You, but how do you feel about that? It's fine. Makes sense. I I like I like the I like the the premise. I think it makes perfect sense. I think because the, the Black Panther doesn't have a ton of uh, other real notable antagonists. Uh, antagonists. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think that makes perfect sense. Sean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you don't like this idea. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I think that. It would be really bad to do this because the Fantastic Four are obviously where Doctor Doom belongs. And, and a Fantastic Four movie, you could sell that with Mole Man as the villain. It doesn't really matter at, at like super much because everybody's looking forward to the Fantastic Four. Uh, but, okay, enough from you. But, I'm being sincere. <laughs> I'm sure you are, but that's not the point. The point is that the Fantastic Four, objectively, overall, people are looking forward to the their MCU turn. That's just a fact. I. You're gonna tell me that's not true? Yeah, I, I think MCU fans are into it, but I think, I think the proven mileage of the Fantastic Four as an IP is that it's unproven. You know what I mean? I don't know. But you lit. You literally started that sentence with. I think MCU fans are pumped yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, the Fantastic Four movies we've gotten have proven that it's not a proven franchise. I they don't were know. ass. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, they, they were, were ass. ass. You're right, but I don't. I, I don't think it's a proven commodity, and I think that's objective well, because there's numbers. Were the Guardians of the Galaxy a proven commodity? I mean, no, of course what? not. But I'm just saying, like, I don't. I'm not. I'm not stating anything as a matter of fact because I 
I, I get what you're trying to say, Phil. I, I think I think the the narrative that that they're pushing back on you for though is that I think it's very much that oh it hasn't been good because it's been in the wrong hands and now it'll be in the right hands. So now we should be excited. I'm not saying you shouldn't be excited. I'm just saying that it's unproven. And you're right, Sean. Guardians of the Galaxy was clearly unproven. And it did well, but leading into it, there was a lot of doomsayers saying, like, is this going to be the first flop in the MCU? I'm just saying, while it's it's likely that would do well, because it's a Marvel film, it's not proven because other, Marvel, other Fantastic Four movies haven't done well. And how often do we hear the narrative that the Fantastic Four are lame and unpopular? You know? Okay. I'm not going to get into the weeds with you any further, but I will say... That you answered my statement by saying MCU fans are excited, which is all I was saying. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, Now, I believe that Doctor Doom will be positioned as not necessarily the Thanos of, you know, whatever phase he ends up being involved in. But, uh, you know, a major player. And so if he appears in Black Panther and is the the villain of the piece and he loses, that's game. Like you, you can't you can't do that. So Black uh, Panther kills his villains. That too. How do you how do you circumvent that issue if you have him be the main villain of, of the Black Panther movie and Black Panther sons him by himself or with the help of, you know, the Wakandans and sends him packing, why do I care about him going forward? make that work in like a similar way to how Loki was treated as a villain because Loki gets beaten in Thor and then comes back with you know a new set of tools and some more powerful friends in Avengers and served as a a fine main villain there Um, I think also too with uh, Doctor Strange we've also added the the mystical element into the MCU and that that is a a realm of the character that isn't too often thought about. So I think I think if you have Doom invade Wakanda, uh, and it doesn't work, he rises up and lives again, trying to use magic, and that's you know his second appearance. And I, I think you could also easily have it be a situation where, like the to your point, Sean, right? Like if it, if it is like a. Uh, a conflict that is rooted in the the you know beef between their two nations i think use there's a way that you can kind of circumvent that a little bit by like having you know there be this like major attack on wakanda and like you see how powerful doom is and like he finally beats him and then he realizes it's a doom bot or something like that and you're like oh shit like yeah, like Black Panther won this fight, like this battle, but like Doom is bigger and has arms far beyond what we thought in this film. I think something like that. Go ahead, Phil. Well, I, my 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 feeling is it's probably less likely that Doctor Doom will be a direct physical uh, opponent for Black Panther, and more likely to be kind of like a puppet master behind it like if there is a greater latveria wakanda conflict it you know some someone else will be on the front lines for black panther to fight or whatever you know what i mean or be a doom bot or something yeah a more likely for him to be like a dark side figure with someone like steppenwolf fighting the justice league you know what i mean 
Mm. Or even what okay. Thanos was doing yeah. before they finally went toe to toe with, with him, right? Like Ronan, or oh, and and Ronan, and and then uh, Gamora, and you know, and like yeah, like the first few movies were like fighting his mooks, you know. So yeah, my my impression is that this is probably a, a establishing uh, Latveria and Doctor Doom. You, yeah, you'll probably meet Victor Von Doom in the film at some point or something. Maybe not. I, I, it's probably setting up a bigger narrative, I would imagine. Because you're right, Sean. You under if if the intent is for Doctor Doom to play a bigger role in the MCU for Phase Four, Five, and Six, or whatever, uh, having him as your primary antagonist in Black Panther is kind of playing your cards early. Yeah, the reason why I see that as as different than Loki is because Avengers needed to be focused on the heroes, and so they needed a villain that people were already comfortable with, so that there was no need to uh, spend a lot of time establishing who he was. And after that, Loki was not a threat in the MCU anymore. Um, he was, a, yeah, he was a face. Uh, and, and and even in that movie, he was a pawn, right? Dr. Doom is no one's pawn. We all know this. So it would be very difficult to convince people that he's worth worrying about if he gets beat in his first appearance. In comics, you can get away with things like that because of the nature of the beast. But in movies, I don't think it works the same way. And so, to me, you can't you can't do this. And there's complications. Where are the Fantastic Four at? Why why are we not? Why why is the first time we're hearing about Doctor Doom? Um, there's a lot of questions in my eyes that I think need to be answered in a Fantastic Four movie first. So let me ask you this, though, Sean, because um, it sounds like you want the introduction of Doctor Doom to be in a Fantastic Four movie. Is that yeah. correct? Wouldn't they have to beat him in that movie, too? And doesn't that set up the same problem? No, because they don't have to beat him. Uh, he doesn't have to be the antagonist of the movie. But he his. But you don't feel like that works in Black Panther? No, because uh, he – so the Fantastic Four story runs parallel to Doom's, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Doom and Reed have a natural uh, – problem with each other and there's a million reasons you can set up them coming into uh coming to into conflict without that conflict needing to be physical um whereas with black panther the only reason that dr doom would want to the only reason why they would be involved with each other is because dr doom is expanding and wants in on what wakanda has that makes a ton of sense to me storyline wise it's just that they'd have to fight. Um, whereas, you know, you could easily have the villain of, of Fantastic Four be a lesser person. Doom could even be pulling the strings. Or, you know, whatever. There's 50 million ideas there. I don't think that they need to fight each other. I, I think I agree with you. And I, that's why I, I don't necessarily have a problem with this if that's how they play it. Like, I, I think if there is a, a scenario where it is like a Wakandan... Uh, Latvian, like you know, like war or something like that, or they're competing over a resource, and like we have a, a takeaway where it's like Black Panther wins in this exchange, but like we see that there's a lot more to Doom than than initially met the eye. Like I think you can reach that same goal, and then introduce, and then in that movie, right, you're introducing the broader like 
idea of Doctor Doom in terms of like he's this dictator who has superpowers and maybe he uses magic and he's got this, you know, all like all these crazy machines and all this power and you kind of get a scope for him there and then we get the filling in of like his origin with the Fantastic Four in the inevitable Fantastic Four movie. And it could be similar to like Captain Marvel where like it takes place in the past or something like that. Black Panther 2 can't take place in the past. No, I'm saying Black Panther 2 would be in the present. That Doom has been existing in Latveria and like the four are off the table for whatever reason. Like maybe they went through a time war, you know, whatever. Like we've talked about that a million times. Like they all of a sudden crash land in New York from the 60s and like that whole thing is going on. And like maybe Doom has been here the whole time, you know, like he didn't disappear for whatever reason. I would be beyond shocked if this report ended up being true. Yeah, I don't know. It's a cool idea, but it does it does seem like a thing that I don't know. I I I could see it being more likely for it to be Namor, which I feel like would be really cool. Hmm. Huh. I forget to can they that use Namor? Yes. Yeah, they can now. Okay. He was a Fantastic Four property no he's like his uh, own thing yeah he he was owned by somebody else universal too, was it universal oh, was he? i thought he was part of the nope. the fox nope. deal. no oh i don't know if they've the submariner is its own thing yeah i don't oh. know if they've gotten him back yet or not namor, he, yeah he was one of the ones that were sold namor in the 90s predates uh the fantastic four by 20 years I know that, but I thought that he was attached as part of that deal. No, he's universal. Interesting. And they still have him. I don't know. I think I think his licensing is like the most complicated licensing thing that Marvel is dealing with of all their characters. The Namor situation mirrors the use of Bruce Banner, Hulk, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The reason Marvel has not made a solo Hulk movie starring Mark Ruffalo is because Universal still holds first rights to the character and must approve any standalone Hulk film being released. Universal released the Edward Edward Norton starring The Incredible Hulk before Marvel was bought by Disney. The current MCU features the Hulk, but it gets around the rights issue by only including him as a supporting character in non-solo Hulk films. So Feige clearly to, yeah. wants Namor in the MCU, so perhaps a similar conclusion was reached. They might be able to use him yeah, without having to make a movie about him. Yeah, if he's especially right if they introduce him as a villain. Yeah. Fucking stick it to him. That would be cool. And even if it was like a, he's, you know, they have a conflict or whatever, they, you know, eventually he becomes an anti-hero type character, like that could work. I think... And still have him show up in ensemble shit. I think for the, for the film universe, for the for the preservation of characters, the Namor idea is 100% better. Yeah. I love that. I don't hate it, though. I don't hate Doom. I think Namor might be better, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Either way, I'm excited to see Dr. Doom on the big screen. I'll tell you what. That's going to be something for sure. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I can't wait to see that dang Doom guy in the green, dang green cloak. And I'll tell you what. It's going to make them all kinds of China money. (laughs) The East Master knows. So, speaking of money, in our main topic, yes, we are doing an actual main topic instead of comics. We're going to be talking about comic book creators being uh, deprived of their money through pirating. But my question is, 
how much money are they really losing out of due to this piracy business? All right, so for the second time this podcast, we've got a doozy of a conversation to have. That's why this one's the main topic. This one uh, involves piracy, as I said earlier, and for the last week or so, piracy has been the main topic of comics Twitter, for sure. Um, the BBC actually just wrote uh, an article about it. Oh, did saw that uh, yesterday. Wow, really? Yeah. Very oh, wow. Okay. Uh, maybe reference that a little down the road here, if it makes sense to do. Um, and where I got caught up with this whole thing, and I believe this is really this was really the the dynamite that that kicked this whole thing off was actually uh, one of our good friends and a creator who we love, uh, Ted Brandt of Crowded Fame, who put a tweet out that said, "How do you get your stuff taken off of a pirate site?" Crowded's up to 95,000 reads on one I just looked at while I'm completely broke. Seriously, 95,000 reads over the 10 issues. What the ever-loving fuck. We've already had to shorten the book due to a lack of money. This royally pisses me off. People like that think they're stealing from a big company, but on an indie book, they're stealing from the team. I wish I hadn't looked. I always knew we would be pirated and figured it would be a few thousand. Just shy of six figures is obscene, though, especially for a book having to go to trade because it's not profitable. Then he posts a link to the series. Uh, and a ton of people, there was an outpouring of support for him, for this idea, and a lot of other creators doing the same thing, looking up their books on you know various pirating websites, seeing how many times their book was pirated and getting you know very angry about it and... You know, getting into arguments. Believe it or not, there were two sides to this conversation. Uh, there were a lot of people defending their own piracy, defending the idea of people pirating comics and why it's positive. Uh, literally every single idea you could possibly think of, every excuse you could think of was thrown out. Uh, and I'm just going to rattle some off the top of my head. Well... I pirated your book, but I bought it also. Uh, there's no uh, comic book stores around me. Um, I don't have any money. Um, <laughs> Classic excuse. I pirated your book to see if I liked it. Um, someone shared the link with me, so I, I read it. Uh, dude, get with the times. People have been pirating music for 20 years. Comic books are no different. Uh, oh, oh, um, pirating comics only hurts the companies. You work for Marvel, what's the big deal? Uh, yada, yada, yada. So this obviously incensed people. Um, Donnie Cates was in, in the middle of this big time, um, uh, you know, sort of just battling back these, these pirate justifiers. Um, and one particular interaction that I that I thought was uh, kind of funny was um, uh, someone said it uh, pirating comics kills good comics. As a creator myself, I'd rather you not read a book I created than pirate it from somewhere and read it for free. The idea that someone pirates an issue and then buys it later is utter bullshit that people say to make themselves feel better. 
someone replied. It might be that way for a lot of people, but speaking as someone from a really small town in a third world country, every single comic book I own comes from having pirated it first. There is not a single comic book shop in my whole state. To which Donny Cates replied, Yeah, sorry, comicsology is still a thing. Please don't pirate my fucking books, dude. And if you do, maybe don't tell me about it. Sorry, if you don't have money, you don't you don't get to just steal from artists and justify it. I want a lot of things I can't afford. I either save for it, I don't get it. You aren't going to make me feel bad for condoning people literally stealing from me and my friends. So, uh yeah, a lot of a lot of conversation going on about this this pirating issue and I really wanted to have the conversation about it because I don't think even though I think we probably all agree that pirating comics is not the thing to do. I don't think it's as uh, I don't think that it's as black and white as the conversation appears to be. So I have some different takes, but I do want to hear what everyone else has to say. I mean, I'll put it flat out. I I don't like it. I think it's bad. I I think it is black and white. I mean, similar like it's not it's not like you're stealing bread to feed your family. It's, you know, you're you're taking work from other people and you're you're stealing their product and stealing money from them that's pretty cut and dry to me uh so i i think i think what you're saying is valid kale um and like yeah i would agree that like objectively like stealing art is wrong right like you should support the art that you enjoy right because that's the deciding factor with whether or not it continues to get made um that being said i would say i I probably fall more on sean's side of the argument or what i assume is going to be based on what you just said there where i don't necessarily agree that it's perfectly black and white because i think that that example that sean read to us is a great one like if you live in you know a third world country or you live in a place where there's not a comic book shop that you have access to with regularity um and you pirate books so that you can read them and not have them be spoiled, but then you go to the bookshop once a month or whatever, and you buy all the books that you read, then if you're actually legitimately doing that, I don't, you know, like, I think that's the deciding factor, though, right? Is are you actually doing that? Or are you saying that you're doing that? Because I think, like, in, in a case like that, like, you know, or, like, uh, a great example, right, is, um, like, right now, if you live in Europe, you don't have access to Disney+. Plus. So I've seen a lot of people who are like, well, I'm pirating and watching The Mandalorian because I don't want it to be spoiled for me by Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And I plan on getting a Disney Plus subscription as soon as I can. It's not available to me right now, right? And if you live in a place with limited access or something like that, I, I can I can entertain that that idea as long as you, you know, are making the effort to make sure that you support that either when you're able to or or in other ways, right? You know, um, and that depends on the the medium, right? Because in uh, comics, there really isn't a way to support the art rather than buy the art, right? Whereas, like, maybe, like, if you're, like, I, you know, I remember being a kid and not having money and being like, ah, oh, I'm going to pirate the CD when it's out. And then when I see the band on tour, I buy the CD, right? Like, so I think it's, like, in those kinds of situations, like, I'm not saying that it's, like, morally correct, but I'd say it's far more gray than, you know, uh, objectively bad, right? Uh, for me, it always comes down to class. I will be very frank. I do not think it's a bad thing to pirate something from a 
very wealthy corporation. Don't feel bad about that. If you're pirating the Mandalorian, all the power to you. I do not, not an issue for Phil. I think that's black and white. Taking a $10 monthly subscription from a billion dollar company like Disney that does all kinds of bad things, not an issue. You go to a concert of a of a of a band that's on a shitty label, and they tell you to pirate their music because they don't want you to give money to their par- shitty label. Yeah, I completely sympathize. Uh, with regard to most comic books, though, it's a fringe industry, especially if you're the creators of Crowded or any other image book. That's different because that their livelihood is directly impacted by your purchases and that's where the sympathies lie um those 90,000 views like if those were sales that would make a difference to their bottom line significantly and i think it's really important to try to support directly support people that are creating something that you like at a ground level as much as possible because your your consumption of it is directly impacts their being able to survive absolutely um yeah that's kind of that's especially if you like something niche so that, that's 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 the difference here is it, it all comes down to the class of it so i've always been against piracy when i was a kid i didn't want to do it i thought it was you know stealing and um i just wasn't that type of person so i never i was never down um as I got older, I softened on that, but it was mostly with things that were inaccessible. Not like I don't have money for this, but something that like for a, a great example is um like uh, certain music for video games they don't ever make available. Uh, sure. So you know, oh, I'll download that because I, there's literally no way for me to get this in any other way. Um, or like video games that go out of print. Video games, you yeah. Know? Video games that you cannot buy. There's no possible way for you to support with your money the creators of this. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll get that. Um, yeah, like like think about the Annihilus omnibus that, that Phil brought up, right? Like is it ethical for you to spend $300 for some reseller to sell you their copy rather than reading a pirated well, version? Like that's where I – you well, know, like, but that's a little different because Annihilation is available. It's not, just not available the way that Phil wants it. Like you can get the trades. That's you could get it on comics, and you could get that's it on comicsology. Yeah, yeah, that's true. so fair enough. I haven't looked it up. But I imagine it's very expensive on comicsology too, just to collect all fifty something issues. Yeah, but but what Pete is it talking about is accessibility, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it but, literally yeah. is accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. even if you bought, even if you bought it on the secondary market, you're not supporting Marvel or the creators. You're just you're you're paying someone who sure. bought it to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes to comics and when it comes to, you know, really any any other kind of situation, I'm not really cool with pirating. I don't I don't think it's uh it's not it's not for me. I'm not with it. The problem is that it is the way of the world, right? This is what people do and we know it. Um uh, you know, I don't really want to get into this, but like we all worked for a, sp- a particular place and uh, it was weird if you didn't pirate comics. It was weird. We, you know, we were asked specifically to do that. It, you were told yeah, to. <laughs> uh, we were sent the link. It was made readily available, um, you know, when we were working for this website. And, you know, that's the culture, right? Um, 
but it does it does hurt creators 100 percent. i don't think you can really argue that it does hurt creators when that happens but here's the problem and this is what i meant when i said that it wasn't black and white i wasn't defending piracy what i was saying is this first of all most of the time, I don't I don't really care what excuses people have. A lot of people are trying to make this a moral issue in terms of like, well, I pirate, but, you know, it's because I'm poor or whatever. Like, okay, you, you know, whatever. You can't walk into a store and take a PS4 because you're broke. You know, you just can't do it. Sorry. It is what it is. <laughs> no, people um, have. You can try, but you'll, you know, you'll probably go to jail. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that people who pirate are probably not buying your book anyway. So it's not, I don't think it's as simple as it's a lost sale. I think it's more like this is a sale you never had access to. And best case scenario, this person loves your book so much that they decide that they're going to spend money on it. But most likely it's, 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 um, it's not a negative or positive uh, impact on you it's just gonna be that person you know reading it for free and if they couldn't read it for free they never would have read it so you're talking um, about retention sure i guess uh yeah i think i think the only argument you can make is that perhaps some percentage of those people would have you know bought number one or whatever to try it out in in days gone by right if this wasn't an option but I think to your point, there's probably a bigger number of those people that like they tried it because they had free access to it, not because it was something they were actively interested in. Maybe yeah. And I, I think I think would if if pirate if piracy was literally impossible, would people buy more of 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 the things that they're interested in? Yeah. But because piracy is possible, you can't look at things through that lens. The world has changed. And our minds have changed around piracy. Look at how the music industry had to completely revolutionize itself in order to specifically combat piracy. It was for no other reason. This is what had to happen. Um, and and we see it in, in movies as well, the way that movies are consumed, the way that they're made available in every possible way. Yes, we have more technology now, but it's because if something is easy to, ac- to access, you are more likely to buy it. But if the easy, like, for example, if you could go watch, you know, the next Star Wars movie in theaters and spend $16 on a single ticket and then another $16 on the popcorn and soda, or you could watch it for free at your computer and spend nothing at all, a lot of people, a lot of people who you wouldn't think are bad people or, you know, have a negative thought about them would simply choose to watch it at home. That's a fact. I keep telling my mom she's got to get off those websites, man. <laughs> well, again, and it is hard. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, that that speaks to kind of the root problem here, right? So, the thing is, uh, people only have so much capital to allocate to their lives, right? Um, people make a certain amount of money per year, and a lot of that goes towards rent towards utilities, towards this, that, and the other thing that are essentials in life. Um, so when they have any kind of excess of money, which often for most people isn't very much, they have to choose very carefully what they're going to use it for in recreation. And the reality is most people can't choose everything. And so when they want everything, 
piracy becomes a very real option because at the end of the day, they just can't afford everything. I don't think you're going to find most people in the upper 10, 15, 20% of income brackets pirating anything at all because they don't have to. Yeah, and I mean, especially when you think about the fact that like for um, a cost versus value exchange, comics are probably the the least like except for maybe like movies right is probably the least like for a single issue you know how long does it take you to read a single issue of a comic and it's like three or four dollars you know um and i think that's why you see a lot of people gravitating toward the trade market because it is a better value twenty dollars for six issues stings a little bit less and it's a it's it's a better experience for most readers to sit and read this entire thing or to be able to take it at your own pace rather than being like i'll give you three dollars a month for forever or until this is over you know and a lot most people don't want to consume content that way and i think that's a big problem too is there's probably a lot of these people who are like legit fans you know that are reading a book month to month so it's not ruined for them and then they go and buy a trade you know and and i'm sure there's a lot of those a lot of people that are pirating that do do that and that doesn't make it right but i think it speaks to the fact that like digital comics is not where it needs to be because it's like comiXology is an option but like if you're three dollars for like a a digital pdf of a book is like it's tough it's tough to swallow if you're on a limited income you know and and i think for people who are collectors that you see more value in getting the the single issues because it's like well it's the collection you know like you get that that ritual of going to the comic book store and buying your books and sitting and reading them and for a lot of people that's how they want to do it but for a lot of people, like that's a luxury they probably can't afford either. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't have any sympathy for those people. I'm, I'm not saying that from like a sympathy yeah. perspective. Just yeah, you know, I'm sure that's where the mind goes. For yeah. That. The problem. Uh, yeah. The problem is that it's very, very, very easy to do. It's extremely easy to like. I could read any comic book I want to right now if I go on a website. And I don't have to pay for it. And so the only reason, the only reason why I would, especially if it's going to be digital, is to support the creators. That's the only reason. Or if you have some like moral reasoning why you don't want to pirate like I personally do. Um, but if you don't feel that way, then why would you not do that? You know, to, to, to feed someone else's family when you, you're taking money out of your pocket to feed someone else's family when you could use that money to feed your own family. So it, it's, it's I think the, the, the way, and I want to hear what Kale has to say after this, but I think we're looking at this from a perspective that isn't realistic anymore. It's simply not realistic to have this conversation anymore from the perspective of, well, you're taking food out of my uh, family's mouths. And, and moralize about it. And the reason why I say that is because piracy has existed for a long ass time and it's not going to go away because creators on Twitter are mad about it. It's just not going to happen. That's, that's not going to happen. So instead of trying that, there needs to be an alternative. There needs to be a conversation about, well, if we can't stop the piracy, how do we uh, do our best to offer people the same level of ease what 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 conversation can we start to have about pricing what conversation can we start to have about access things like that 
because you're not it's not it comics will not be sustainable if the only thing we have to go by is that we want to support you know crowded because we love those creators that's not enough for most people they don't know them an obvious solution for a lot of problems in life would be to actually find subsidizing ways to help people's incomes go up and you know have uh, affordability uh minimize cost and other aspects like you know universal health care and all I'm kinds of stuff comics. i know i'm talking about i know comics. but i'm saying this is all That's... related these barriers would yeah. go away yep. if people could actually afford their lives of course of course but uh, like using using music as an example right it used to be the case that you literally could not hear a song off an album if you did not buy that album. You could buy the single, but that was about it in a store, right? If it was on the radio or something. Sure. Yeah, the tape but, recorder. But it, was, yeah. but it had to be a single. It, you weren't going to hear, yeah. like, track seven. The deep cuts. Right. Yeah. And that was it. And so you, you either had the $10 or you just weren't going to hear your favorite band's album. And then when piracy came into the... To, to the mix that obviously hurt a lot of people a lot of bands suffered a lot of musicians suffered so what did they do they figured out okay well if that's the case then we can offer you can buy any song for 99 cents it, you know it's a lot easier to do that than spend ten dollars so sure why not um then they figured out okay well we can let people stream it and we can make money off of the ads there's you know 50 different ways now that you can consume music that don't hurt the artist by people pirating and so people are less inclined to pirate because you can just go on spotify right i think and i think you're you're right there but i think the issue with comics is like uh, it's a few things because when you look at the the music paradigm like it's definitely better for you to listen to your you know your favorite band's music on Spotify or whatever than it is for you to pirate it, right? In the same breath, you're also not helping them that much. Like, if you're not someone who's getting, like, millions of listens on your songs on Spotify, that's not a significant amount of income, and it's not the same return that you would have seen if everybody went and bought the album. But you're talking about it from the perspective of helping the artist, and I'm saying we need to get past that. Because the only people who care about that are people who have some kind of emotional connection to the music and the band that or the or the the musician that causes them to want to do that what happens here is we're saying okay instead of you pirating it and me getting nothing you can listen to it on spotify and i'll get something and that's the difference right but my my point bringing that up is that i think that that is is it's not a one-to-one and granted, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't try, but like you look at how expensive comics are to produce and the fact that there are not like, – like the way that a band survives is not from the money that they get streaming their albums on Spotify. It's usually touring. They survive but, and selling yeah. merchandise even more than that. And that same luxury is not afforded to any comic that isn't of a certain level of readership. Because there's not a market for it, and merchandise is fucking expensive to make. So, like, you know, it's not as easy as being like, all right, cool, like, you know, like, Image is going to put all their books on an image streaming platform or something that you can get access to, and then that's how you read Crowded or whatever. Like, is the return on that going to be enough to support the that book? And, like, is there the ability to monetize it in additional ways if it doesn't? Well, that's, that's, that's a question that they need to be asking. 
And by the way, comics and, and music are very similar. How does Dirk Manning make most of his money? Touring. And yeah, it's the same thing. It's the, it's the same thing. Obviously, not every creator, like a lot of international creators, can't necessarily do that in the same way. But we go to Comic-Con a few times a year, and every year we see the same people doing the same thing. And the reason why Dirk Manning is, is successful is because he creates a personal connection between him and, and his audience, and he physically sells them the comic. The same way that a band goes on tour and plays for you and you buy their CD there because you had a great experience. It's not different. Now, when it comes to the, 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 the problem of, of di- you know, getting it digitally and piracy versus not, there is no, well, uh, we're going to make the same amount of money. That's dead. And it's been dead since the 90s. Now you get what you can. And they need to figure out how to get a little more by being smarter. Kale. I don't know, man. I I agree with you on principle. Um, but I mean, in in my head, everything I'm coming back to is is what Phil was saying. It's a it's a systematic, and and this goes for music too. It's a systematic, shitty situation that you know these industries have themselves in. And, you know, even, and even in the Spotify situation, there was a tweet that went around this week where an artist had gotten something like 20,000 listens for a, a track on Spotify or something, and they got like seven fifty off of it, $7.50. Sure. I just like, and, and not to say that, you know, this artist didn't work on their product all day every day and and didn't you know blah 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 but like art itself comic art is is a very work heavy work forward uh, way way to live yeah. it's a you know it, it's a and and you know as much effort went into creating whatever song this was that apparently to Spotify is only worth seven fifty. you know, how, you, how much is a, a page of comic art going to be? And, and to that point, right? Like uh, going back to the value thing, like with Spotify in, in that example, right? Like you get paid a, a fraction of a fraction of a penny for every listen, but how many times do you listen to an album? Probably a lot more than you read a single issue of a comic, you know, like, so that's another thing to consider too, like how that model would have to be different, you know, or, or or if not different, that like the metrics for success are going to be different in a way that could hurt like the sustainability of books that work in the current system, you know, and like that maybe that's just the nature of the beast. It might be a little disingenuous to say that I think a single issue is probably more uh, like a song on an album and a trade is probably more like the complete album. And you might reread that trade a lot if you really like it. But 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 think about like if if your favorite album of the year, right? And you're somebody who listens to like a decent amount of music. You probably listen to that what 20, 30 times maybe over sure. the course of the and year. And maybe read a, and- a book twice or three times or something. Yeah, my favorite book I've ever read, I've read five times, you know, maybe, you know, and like, that's a huge difference. And are they getting paid per page read, you know, like on this, this platform or is it, did, did you finish the whole issue? 
You know, and like those are all questions that would have to be answered, right? And they're beyond the scope of this podcast. But the the, the reason I'm making this point is to illustrate the differences between comics and something like – or even Netflix, right? Where they can measure it in watch time. Sure. Yeah. You streamed X number of hours of this fucking show. So it's worth us to make another season. I've – I've gone on my soapbox about equity and 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 fair compensation and 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 letting people survive. But the other aspect of this is the very conservative argument, which is heavily regulating the internet, so that all these pirating websites and torrenting websites and streaming websites are, you know, policed. Yeah. Which is just like not possible with the way that our internet works because like a lot of them are not American websites. They're international and, you know, it's not the – as of right now, the American government is not in the business of telling us what websites we're allowed to go to. But but Phil's saying maybe it needs to be that way. I'm 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 not saying maybe it needs to be that way. I'm saying it could be that way. Yeah, and to me, I I don't think that's a good thing because I think that's a slippery slope. I would rather – work on you know to phil's other point which is like creating a more equitable system that allows for not just for creators to have less pressure on them because everyone has less pressure on them but that the average person who maybe wants to go buy comics every week but doesn't have the money has a little bit more money in their pocket and can go spend that money yeah well i also think you guys are are giving humans a little too much credit i think i think Maybe I so. don't. I I, th- <laughs> I think all that would happen if people had more money, but not f you money. All that would happen is they would spend that money in other places on things you can't pirate. There, are, there. Are, trust me, there are a lot of people who are making the argument that they're poor that wouldn't go to the store and buy books anyway. Well, you you, you can't assume know. the best of people. I don't know if that's true. I think economically, I'm sure it is. economically speaking. The precedent in this country is when people do have more money in their pockets for recreation, they do spend it more on things that create a healthy economy. Um, For instance, the last time our economy was super healthy, comics sold very well in the 90s. Obviously, it led to a a bust. Oh, come on. You're not going to use that example. I'm just saying that historically speaking, when people have more money to spend, they do spend it on dumb shit. I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying that comics that you could read for free or pay $4 for, I'm not convinced. Especially because you're talking about a time before piracy. You can't compare a time before piracy to a time after piracy. It's a different worldview now. You're right. I I, I think to that point, though, the more money people have, the more they spend on expendable things. And I think that like, you're not wrong to say that there's some segment of people that wouldn't stop because they don't care about creators and they justify, you know, like that person whose comment you read or their tweet that they read where they're like, I'm not stealing from a person. I'm stealing from a major corporation. Right. And in the case of crowded, that's like objectively not true. Cause even image as a corporation is not a, certainly not a major corporation. Um, so, that's just a bullshit argument and those people are always going to be those people and they don't they don't give a fuck you know but i i think that there are there to phil's point there are a lot of people who uh, maybe a lot of people who already buy comics too that would buy more if they had more money you know look at somebody like marco who buys an insane amount of books if marco had an extra 
25k in his pocket a year you better believe he'd buy a lot more books he's inclined to buy books already dude come on but i also think i also think the other part of that argument though is you know paying the artists for their time for their work so that they don't have to live in squalor and bullshit and you know ted and roe you know they they are the artists they're the ones doing the hard work they should be paid by that hard work and and that's you know i I mean no matter how many people steal the product like you should be paid for your labor yep 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 yep. that's the root of that's 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 very difficult to swing because if because rich people suck and we live in a shitty society and capitalism has ruined goddamn everything. You're absolutely right, Sean. It's gonna whoa. That's but gonna you're, suck. But you're talking about the image model. You're not talking about the comics model. They're not the same. I'm I'm I am saying pay people what they're worth. Who who determines what they're worth? If the book's not selling, what are they worth? Being able to eat, I think, is a pretty pretty easy metric on that you, like, you guys not- are you guys are moralizing this is not a moral issue anymore because it's it's past that the, the 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 market has determined that it does not care about that and you cannot say that image then why should i care about the market like i don't that's up to you but if you don't buy comics then they're still not eating yeah i, I think what sean's saying is that like we all agree that in a perfect world like everybody gets paid for their work a fair wage right and that everybody can live off of their their art but like realistically like that's not how it works you know and and like image can't just take it on the chin every time a book doesn't they wouldn't sell exist. because they oh, right right and then none of these books would get made so and that that that's a fair point you know and and that's like what Sean's trying to say he's not disagreeing with the morality there the point that like yeah like every comic book creator who makes good books should make a livable wage absolutely if, um if comic but book, fuck if comic book creators were able to unionize in a more systematic way they would it would it would reorient the entire industry absolutely but at least creators would be salaried and be able to make a sustainable living and then image wouldn't exist, and then I, they wouldn't make that living. But if no, that's horseshit. I don't think that's how a, a company. A company doesn't make a book. A person makes a book, and a company is the people that pay for the printer. If fucking Ted and Row had the money, they could pay for the printer. They could do it themselves. But they don't. They would need the a company. That's the whole yeah, point. Yeah, because the company won't pay them. That's ridiculous, dude. <laughs> that is insane. But yeah, but that's the that's the thing though, right? Kill like you're saying that if they had the money. They would do it themselves, but they need the company that we're talking about to pay that salary, yeah. right? Like, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you that it's people who make the books, but like, without image, like, there is no crowded. Yeah, that's a non-point. Know? We we obviously know humans make comics. Duh. The point is that in order to make the comics and put them out, they need cash, and they don't have it. They they they're not the ones that are printing the comics. Image is doing that. Image is putting the books out there. They cannot afford to do it, and there's no way that they could. They need image. Well, I, and the argument, the, the argument can be made that like image could print less books, you know, and like focus on like on making a smaller line that is more profitable. 
but that that leads to the same end, right? Where there are less comics be less indie comics being published. Crowded anyway. still wouldn't be made if they chose to do that. Ted said it right there. They had to switch the model because it wasn't sustainable. If they had to choose less books, sustainable enough. If they had to choose like less books to make, what do you think they're going to choose? They're going to choose even if it, let's say it was ten books. Crowded is not in the top ten best-selling Image comics, right? Like they they'd be printing more Walking Dead. If if Image's model was like that, they would just print more Walking Dead. They would just print more Invincible. They would just print more whatever. And books like Crowded would never see the stands. You have this is not a conversation about idealistic stuff. There's a conversation about reality. Then what is it, Sean? I just like, told you. You don't have to like it. It is what it is. What I'm saying, what what are you saying is the what are you proposing as a solution here? Because like I I feel like you're dancing around something because we're moralizing and like my answer is kill the rich. I don't like but I, I don't understand. If you did that, you still wouldn't have comics, from. so you're not getting your way anyway. <laughs> well, then uh, kill the world. Like, who cares? Like, you still don't get comics. Um, <laughs> my solution. It's not my responsibility to come up with a solution. First of all, and there's uh, the problem with this whole thing. The problem with the whole thing is that the comics industry is operating on a business model that hasn't worked anywhere else since piracy started and comics have been being pirated as for as long as piracy has been around they just haven't adopted to that uh and until that happens they're going to continue to have this issue um why is it that there is no way to read comic books uh in a spotify type model what does that look like uh you can add more ads to it and get paid more based on that maybe I'm not the person in charge of that, but that's a very simple and obvious thing that no one has done. Um, and they should look into it. It could also just be a thing where, frankly, comics are a very niche uh, thing and not everyone is going to succeed in the marketplace. The reality is that there are like hundreds of thousands of people that want to make comics and a fraction of that get to do it. And a fraction of a fraction of that get to do it and make a lot of money. Not everybody is going to make a lot of money making comics. And just because they choose to make comics does not mean that they have the right to make the money because that's just not how it works. Uh, you know, if you work for Marvel, there are more securities there. They don't want to do that. That's up to them. You know, and Donny Cates does work for Marvel. It still sucks for him because even though he's chilling, um, the fact of the matter is that you don't want to know that someone's pirating your book. That sucks. Of course it sucks. No one wants to hear about that. But it's never going to go away. It's just what it is. And it's a sad reality of the industry. But you can't have there's how many how many publications have we heard about closing? Or, or since we started doing this podcast. There's a reason for that. There very well may be too many publications and too many people out there putting out books. And not everybody's gonna succeed. And piracy is definitely a factor there. But I did want to bring up one last point. Before we close out this conversation. Uh, and it's something that I thought about that Bleeding Cool apparently also thought about because they did put out an article uh, discussing the fact that the numbers that people are seeing in terms of how many people are pirating their books, they're probably fake. So Ted said 95,000, right? 
95,000 people is a lot of people to be reading a comic book, uh, even if it is spread out across 10 issues. Obviously, if 95,000 people additionally were reading Crowded, they'd have no problems. But as Bleeding Cool says, that's probably not exactly what's going on. So uh, the fact is those numbers that show up in the views counter on piracy sites are almost certainly vastly inflated, something most people wouldn't have any reason to know unless they have some experience in running a website. Uh, Most sites rely on complex analytics software from companies like Google to track the people visiting their site, and important base metrics there include things like unique page views and unique visitors. This software looks to keep track of who is visiting a site so that, for example, the same person clicking on a page 10 times can be accurately counted as a single consumption of that content. Purveyors of reputable websites want to know this data because it helps them make business decisions, but a shady site posting a hit counter on their page only wants to display the highest possible number in order to make themselves look more important than they actually are. In addition, analytics software can generally tell who is a human and who is a bot and exclude the bots from the important metrics. A report in 2017 found that 52% of all web traffic comes from bots, and that number is only likely to have risen since then. In addition, comics piracy sites often display comics one page at a time. After all, this maximizes their clicks and therefore ad revenue, and it's highly likely that each page turn counts as a view for the site's purposes. The website, uh, the, the article by Bleeding Cool goes on to explain how it's more likely that the, the amount of views that Crowded really got across those 10 issues is a fraction of a fraction of 95,000. It uses an example here of Marauders number one from a pirater named Nemesis 43. Uh, and it only had uh, uh, 133 seeds, 54 leechers, and 955 completed downloads, I guess. That's a very small number, and that's a Marvel comic. So what, what is the likelihood that Crowded is really receiving those kinds of numbers? So just thought I'd throw that out there, some numbers. Uh, but at any rate, obviously, this is a conversation that no one wants to have. It's very, it's very unfortunate that uh, creators are essentially being robbed. And... Uh, hopefully the industry starts to take a closer look at this problem and at what the solutions are that can uh, aid the industry because you can't slow progress. All you can do is adapt to it. And uh, I don't think anyone on this podcast would disagree with the fact that comics have been very slow to do that. So hopefully we start to see more change and that will result in um, better lives for these creators. Whatever it takes. So, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this uh, conversation. Do you pirate comics? No judgments. Uh, Some judgment. Maybe. Some slight judgment. Why do you choose to do that? And uh, is there anything that could happen that would make you stop? What could the industry do to change your perspective on pirating? Kale just collects all the names and then immediately sends them to the cops. He's like, that's what will stop you from pirating, you motherfucker. Screw the cops. He goes out and bodies them. That's right. I would rather (laughs) kill body them than snitch. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I go out out all Stephen Amell, Green Arrow. You have failed this industry. 
Uh, I like the idea of Kale just pulling out the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. He's just showing up to kids' houses with bo- the boombox and just be- just cracks his knuckles and beats the shit out of them. <laughs> so. Yeah, I like that. Sorry. I like that bleeding cool name the guy they uh, got for Marauders number one. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Nemesis. 43. That's Nemesis. 43, that is like the dude. quintessential internet name. If it had X's in it, it would be like if it was like XX Nemesis thirty forty three. I'm surprised he doesn't have like the anonymous Fair. guy as his picture. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to talk to us about that or anything else we've talked about on this episode or whatever's on your mind, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail We are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. Uh, of course, if you want to get us on a plot. Uh, podcast hosting platform other than the one you're currently listening to us on type us in on whatever uh platform that is and i'm sure we'll come up and if we don't yell at marco at mr marco animoto give him your <laughs> your fury harass him please yes, been eaten. and go listen to some of our book clubs check out the secret wars book club which drops tomorrow if it is monday for you currently if it is not it's out right now um and uh, check out our YouTube. We've got a lot of really cool stuff on there. Uh, old episodes, interviews, reviews, all that jazz. Some exclusive stuff. You're going to want to check that out. Make sure to hit the notification bell to make sure that you are made aware of when we post content. And please subscribe. All of those things are free to do. And they help us out a lot more than it costs you. Let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you for joining us here in another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come talk to me about... Uh, what you're thinking about this whole piracy situation. Um, I'm not like Kale, so I won't snitch on you or beat you up. All right. Uh, if you want to get some more content from me, uh, you can go uh, visit um, loopots.com. I host their weekly podcast, The Potscast, where we talk about Nintendo. And uh, we also have a Patreon-exclusive show, After Dark, where we talk to talk about stuff that's not Nintendo. So uh, if you're playing Pokemon like me and Kale and uh, want to go chat, go uh, go check that out. Awesome, Kale. Your window to talk to me about Pokemon has closed. No longer come talk to me. I am not interested. Oh man, but... I had so much I wanted to talk about. Sorry, ah, window is closed. Damn, I am no. The zeitgeist has moved on, Phil. <laughs> no longer interested in talking to people. <laughs> but if you want to see Ever. what I'm saying, you can. Uh, Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. And you can find my work at KaleWard.com. That's C A L E W A R D.com. Uh, you can find the podcast I do with my wife. Uh, if you like uh, messages like Kill the Rich, um, you might enjoy our podcast, uh, Gone Global, where actually, as uh, upbeat as a podcast we try to keep it, it does come up. Does it really? Uh, it really does. <laughs> we actually, we actually had to put a moratorium on it because it got too fucked up. Whoa! Well, geez. <laughs> uh, you can find Gone Global at its new home on Anchor, Anchor Podcast, Anchor.fm/slash Gone Global, and wherever else you get your podcast. Awesome, Phil. Uh, firstly, you can follow Marco at Mister Marco Animoto. On all social media. I think we said that, but I'm not sure, so I'm just repeating it. I did, um, but it's okay. Um, 
You can follow me at all social media at Cyborg Bebop. Uh, buy comic books. Um, these This is a fringe industry, and as uh, Sean uh, illuminated, uh, if you work for Image you know, or even a smaller publisher, this directly impacts your livelihood. Support the official release. Yes. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. And I want to echo that message. Uh, I was bringing the you know, realist perspective because I want to see the industry do the right thing for its people uh, and not continue to do nothing and let the creators suffer. But ultimately, I stand by the creators uh, wholeheartedly and want to see them uh, paid for their work and um, everything else. So if you feel the same way, I encourage you to buy the books that you want to see on the shelves. Um, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. Hit me up to talk to me about Jean Grey as always. So with that, we're the Comic Spell signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Oh, Sean, you like Jean too? <laughs> I could tell you all the kinds of ways I like Jean. <laughs> Sean, have you ever thought of Jean in a Mountie outfit? Oh, in my wildest fantasies, we're riding on top of a moose. Nothing sexual there, just two friends on a moose. <laughs>